The Screen Pass Podcast. Welcome to Screen Pass, the show about American football in popular culture. I'm Sheehan, and with me, in beginning each and every episode with his cromulent performance, is the big-ass Baryshnikov himself, Justin Barber. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Sheehan. How you doing? I'm good. I tell you what, until very recently, I'd never lived in a world without Queen Elizabeth II on the throne, but I have still never lived in a world without The Simpsons. And that's who we're talking about <laughs> tonight, obviously based on the title of the episode. Are you a Simpsons fan? I am. Yeah, big time. You know, it's hard not to be. You know, it's kind of a thing where it's just, it's always, always been around. You know, yep. I mean, you're looking at the show came out in 1989. That's 32 years. So it's always been a part of my life. I mean, full disclosure, I'm not really actively watching The Simpsons now, but I think that's more just a case of I stream all my television shows. Yep. Um, once I went away from cable, I pretty much stopped watching a lot of cable, but you know, it was, it was nice to watch these for sure. I feel like you and I are both in that kind of golden age of Simpsons fans were kind of guys around the, like the mid thirties to like, I guess the late, probably like late twenties to mid thirties would be about the range. The people who've probably seen every episode in the first 10 seasons a dozen times can like hit the quotes when you need to and go, yeah, would say I'm a massive Simpsons fan, but haven't watched an episode in 20 years. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, there's a lot of nostalgia there. And again, if someone put it on or I happened to even think of it, like, hell yeah, I'll watch a Simpsons episode. Like um, it's never off the plate, but you know, it's just life gets busy and I never think to really stream it or look it up. I remember going back to it around season 2021 20, and there was a lot of, a lot of good, ep- well, some good episodes, a lot of bad episodes, a lot of good moments within episodes, but the show itself sort of not unrecognizable, but very different. Definitely a product of the other adult animation around it. You had South Park and then Family Guy, American Dad. You know, even like your Bob's Burgers, your Archer, those sorts of things that really forced it to up its game. And it just became, again, not unwatchable, just not not as good. Yeah, but this is also like the godfather of all that. Like, how successful would these shows be without the foundation of The Simpsons? You know, it's almost like they had to live up to The Simpsons standard. And if you Family Guy, which we're both fans of, we did a podcast on it. Go check it out. It's great. But Family Guy constantly jokes about stealing stuff from The Simpsons. Seven Degrees of Separations, there was a crossover on it. And Mm. the whole concept of the crossover was, you know, the Family Guy people end up in Springfield and then they argue over what's better, Duff Beer or Pawtucket Patriot Ale. And it turns out that Pawtucket Patriot Ale is Duff Beer. And it was really just an obvious, not so subtle analogy between Family Guy and The Simpsons. Homer, thanks for helping me get my car back. And to show my appreciation, I got a little something for you. Here you go. Pawtucket Patriot Ale. The best Quahog has to offer. Always keep an emergency six-pack in my trunk. 
Oh, that's cool, bringing outside beer into my bar. Down the hatch. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? No. Huh? It's not good. This beer tastes exactly like Duff. It's just a lousy ripoff. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not a ripoff of Duff. It may have been inspired by Duff, but I, I like to think it goes in a different direction. No, this is just the same as Duff, but, like, worse. Hey, come on now. This is my favorite beer you're talking about. Hell, I work for the company. It's my livelihood. Oh, yeah? Well, your livelihood is based on fraud. Look at this. Huh? <gasps> it is Duff. Your beer is in big trouble. You can't just slap a new label on something and call it your own. Well, maybe Duff should be in trouble for, you know, not being that great. <gasps> Duff is an icon. Yeah, but some folks prefer Pawtucket Pat. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I used to love Duff when I was younger, but I, I haven't even had it in like 13 years. You're right. Family Guy kind of forced Simpsons to step up its game because they went a little more extreme with their humor, like a little more raunchy, much more raunchy, really. And then obviously South Park, much more raunchy, which also did a thing about the Simpsons as well. <laughs> so it, I don't know. It's a it's an institution. It is a cornerstone. Yeah. I mean, the South Park Simpsons did an episode is an all time classic with um, Professor Chaos and General Disarray. Yes. Keep trying to um, play pranks on the town only to discover that Bart uh, had done them previously. Now, I actually wasn't allowed to watch the Simpsons as a kid. I think there was definitely that panic that. I'd grow up just like Bart Simpson and <laughs> I'd take him to be a role model. Uh, so it was always like I'd watch it if my parents went around or I'd watch it at a friend's house. So it always sort of felt like forbidden fruit to a degree. And I have I've seen all of it and I have a lot of it on DVD now. I absolutely love it. But it's still thinking back on it today as we're watching the show. It's like, oh, yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch this. Same. That's the same exact thing. Yeah, it was one of those things. It was it was the. Oh, man, I wish I could watch that. I remember when I was in elementary school, grade school, I think over there is the term. But when I was in elementary school, a kid wore a shirt to school that said, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? And I mean, we were young, you know, and he had to turn it inside out and wear it throughout the day. But you could still see through it. And at the time, I was like, man, I wish I wish his parents were my parents and let me not only watch the show, but wear that shirt. I mean, he probably grew up to be a, a heavy delinquent. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's a it's a fond memory of Bart Simpson there. I remember winning a pencil tin that had Bart Simpson on it that said, I'm disrupting the learning process and I love it. Yeah. And my mum sat me down and was like, is this the sort of message you want to show other people that this is the sort of person that you are? <laughs> I was like, I just want the, the cool Bart Simpson pencil tin. Right. It's so funny. Parents are parents. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't understand. Right, Will Smith? They just don't get it. <laughs> Wanting the best for us and all. <laughs> Do you have any favourite episodes? Everyone's got favourite episodes, but- you know, what are, your, what are your real favorites? I will say this. I have favorites. But growing up, I looked forward to every year the Treehouse of Horrors episode. Yeah. I mean, forever, for, you know, most of my life. I looked forward to those Treehouse of Horrors. You know, there was a, I specifically remember number five, where they did the parody of The Shining. The Shining. The Shining. It's The <laughs> Shining Boy. He's like looking at the camera. We can't get sued. <laughs> No beer and no TV, make home a go something, something. And then Marge is, go crazy. Don't mind, Don't if, mind I do. if I do. 
I have quoted that line so many times. All work, no play, make Justin something, something. And no one ever bites on it. It's like my whole life. I just can't get one bite on that one. The one I like from that episode is Smithers tells Mr. Burns, maybe it's a terrible idea to take away the beer and the TV because everyone keeps dying there. And Burns (laughs) says- you know what? If we come back and everyone's dead, I owe you a Coke, <laughs> which <laughs> I really like as a joke. That's quality. But there's a few others that kind of top my my list. Uh, one that stands out to me is the you only move twice one. That's where yep. basically Homer gets a job for a Bond villain, you know, and the dude. <laughs> Thanks, has Scorpio. A- yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a great one. He ends up with a flamethrower and yelling. Just funny from beginning to end. That's my absolute favorite episode. It's the best, isn't it? (laughs) I would say I almost know it inside out, word for word. I know all the jokes, but it still makes me laugh. I think Albert Brooks as Hank Scorpio is amazing. Yes. Just even the- Ever seen a guy say goodbye to a shoe before? (laughs) (laughs) As a matter of fact, I didn't even give you my coat. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. That's crazy. Me and you have the top same one. You will notice, my new best friend, that we are pretty casual around here. Yes, sir. I will notice that. Very casual, Mr. Scorpion. Don't call me Mr. Scorpion. It's Mr. Scorpio, but don't call me that either. Call me Hank. Uh, say, before we continue our tour, would you mind hanging my coat up on the wall, please? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. Um, uh, wow. <laughs> Relax, Homer and Globex. We don't believe in walls. Matter of fact, I didn't even give you my coat. But it's, it's hard to argue. It's... Certainly one of the best ones out there. I was looking in preparation for this. You know, there's plenty of top 10 lists, top 20 lists. What's the best episode? That one was consistently, if it wasn't number one, it was top three along with Homer's Enemy with Frank Grimes. That's another one for me. That was the other one I was going to bring up. That's a, a favorite. Where Homer has a arch nemesis, Frank Grimes, that he isn't even aware of, <laughs> you know, and like <laughs> he tries to make him friends. I'm going to call you grimy. <laughs> oh, a 513. It's, it's really good. And it's hard to say. It's like, is that one of my favorite? But if you ask me one of my favorite, that one certainly comes to mind. It's it's solid. That one's a classic. I just love that he's a normal person dropped into it and he gets crazier and crazier. Yeah. I love Marge versus the monorail. Again, these are all everyone's favorite episodes. So I'm not really saying anything that people (laughs) that people are gonna disagree with, but Monorail, monorail, monorail. Those early seasons, seasons five and season eight are just incredible TV. Even with ones and we'll probably talk about this later, like Hurricane Nettie, where Flanders flips out at everyone and tears strips off people. Yes. That's an incredible episode. This is the problem is there are so many and I could sit down and watch them and tell you like all the jokes from all of them. Yep. But trying to bring them to mind as like a, this is my favorite. Well, you know what I have? I have more so favorite quotes or parts of shows. You know, for example, there there's one where Homer goes on a missionary trip and basically he's forced out of it. You've probably seen it. But he's on the missionary trip and he's licking toads and his pupils get huge. And Marge and the kids are on the phone with him. And I think it was Bart is like, Dad, are you licking toads again? And he's like, I'm not not licking toads. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that double negative all the time. (laughs) 
you know, <laughs> someone would be like, are you drinking? I'm not not drinking. It's fantastic. I am a big fan of the life that the Simpsons shit post has given back to a lot of the jokes as well. Like you got the dud, yep. gummy Venus de Milo, um, steamed hams, put yep. it in H, all those <laughs> yeah. fantastic jokes that you kind of just relive every single time you see them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the episode with George Bush Sr. where he moves across the road. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And that kind of started a thing, too. Like, you have that in all these other episodes, too. I mean, we did the one with Grunk and Family Guy. This whole, like, neighbor becomes your plot of the story. There's one I love where Homer's baby-proofing the house for Maggie, and he's painting (laughs) little rabbits on all the electrical sockets. And Marge is like, what are you doing, homie? Maggie isn't afraid of bunnies. And he goes, (laughs) <laughs> oh, she will be. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, she will be. And then, of course, there's the classic quote that is probably the one I've quoted the most, which is beer, the cause and solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> <laughs> the Beer Baron episode is one of the absolute classics. I'm pretty sure that's from that one with the, I don't know where you are, Beer Baron, but I'll find you. No, you won't. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. I would say there are so many Simpsons quotes that have just either become part of my vernacular that at this point I don't even realize I say them when I do. A hundred percent. Yep. It's a legacy like no other. And I- Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I I was saying the same thing. It's like there's these phrases that I just- come out with i mean even you hear everyone say crazy like a fox like that was, <laughs> it's like a, crazy like a fox you know i mean that's it's so common now no one even references that to the simpsons it's yep so good so good or even like i for one welcome our new blank overlords <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yep for sure you're a you're a dad of a child of a certain age. Have you introduced her to The Simpsons? You know, I the child isn't really interested in The Simpsons. So it's not like you've become the thing you've sworn to destroy as the parent gatekeeping The Simpsons. I got to be honest, I'd be excited. You know, my child and oh gosh, this is going to be so bad. This is out in the world. Um, she's really into Rick and Morty, which is like the new Simpsons. You know what I mean? And there's occasionally a South Park or two that I've been very targeted on which ones I I show her. I mean, obviously, if she's watching Rick and Morty, South Park seems tame. But I showed her the South Park with the, she was going to go ziplining. And I was like, you got to watch this South Park first. (laughs) Say zip, hey bro, say ziplining. Ziplining, <laughs> say shakabra, shakabra. <laughs> so I, I had to show her that one, but yeah, for the most part, I eased her very slowly into Rick and Morty. But now she pretty much watches all. Well, I suppose you aren't a terrible parent. Before we get into the three episodes that we watched The Simpsons, don't forget we are part of Thirty Two Bit. That's the number 30-T-W-O-B-I-T. Follow us at Twitter. That's at 30-T-W-O-B-I-T. And stay up to date with everything we have going on there. There's fantasy football. There's culture. There's 
mirth. There's a lot of mirth. And basically, if you like this show, all the others are worse, but still fun. You can, of course, get in touch with us at Screen Pass Podcast on Instagram. You can email us at ScreenYouLater at gmail.com. And I think that's just about it before we roll into it. We watched three episodes here. The first one being season nine, episode seven, Bart Star, in which Bart joins the Wee football team. Tell us a bit about Bart Star, the person, not the show. This episode's named Bart Star, S-T-A-R, and there's Bart Star, the quarterback, S-T-A-R-R. So Bart Star is a legacy quarterback. He is... He played for the Green Bay Packers from 1956 to 1971. Holy moly. He's the only quarterback in history to lead the team to three consecutive league championships, which was Green Bay during um, 1965 to 1967. He won two Super Bowls, 67-68. He also has the highest postseason passer rating of any quarterback and postseason record of any quarterback. Nine and one. So this guy is just, he's just elite. You know, I mean, he did coaching for the Packers. He signed on in 72 and was initially given a three-year contract, but he ended up doing that for nine years. I mean, what more to say? Former MVP, football Hall of Famer and coach. And a Hall of Fame name, as far as I'm concerned as well, could have made it as a football player or a porn star called Bart Star. Oh, yeah. For sure. But yeah, so the title of this episode is obviously a play on that. Bart actually wears number 15 in this episode, which was Bart Star's number, which is pretty cool. This is season nine, as we said. This is usually considered the last of the golden era or the first season out of the golden era. Certainly episode two, The Principal and the Pauper with Armin Tanzarian is generally considered the beginning of the end of The Simpsons. But this season still has it, Trash of the Titans with Homer running for... Waste Commissioner. There's a clip of that in the opening of The Great Debate. Nice. Um, Last Temptation of Crust, where Krusty becomes a stand-up comedian. Uh, that's the Canyon Arrow episode. You've got the Joy of Sect with the leader and the movementarians. Got Bart Carney, where Bart becomes a Carney, obviously. Lisa the Skeptic, where there's the angel skeleton and ends up being added for a shopping center. And you've got the City of New York versus Homer Simpson as well, which opens the season, which is uh, Gav Galash. <laughs> Classic. Oh, I'll take a crab juice. <laughs> and then he just loads up on him. This was 1998. Many, many moons ago. You can tell by the quality of animation, too. It's definitely much more old school looking, but classic. Classic Simpsons era. Definitely. And as with every Simpsons episode, there's a bit of a cold open, if you like. There's a health show. You get some good, unfunny Marge leading a community group to do with first aid. Like, that's a classic Simpsons setup where it's people laughing at the wrong times and then, like, understanding the bit, Marge not being funny. Homer saying he's been drinking eight glasses of gravy a day. To the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I do what doctors recommend. I drink eight glasses of gravy a day. I think you got that wrong. (laughs) Rainier Wolfcastle is running a fit or fat with the kids of Springfield. And Bart bends over trying to touch his toe, splits his pants, and ends up on the news with one of my favorite characters, Kent Brockman. Yeah, Kent's good. With my two cents with Kent Brockman, basically saying that the kids in Springfield are fat and should start playing peewee football or military service or like interpretive dance or something like that. Yeah, but they use the same military service guys to show the interpretive dance. Like they were doing it with guns. Pretty funny. (laughs) We see Bart 
sitting there eating Pop-Tarts and Homer tells him he's a disgrace to the family because he's uh, gaining weight. We cut to the Flanders house where Rod and Todd are worried that they're going to have to play football. And Ned saying, team sports will keep you away from temptations like rock music and girls. <laughs> really made me chuckle. You can tell that to Carl Turley. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and Homer looks all gross. And then he's telling Bart, you should play football. And Bart's like, but won't I get hurt? And Homer goes, then it's settled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great line. There's a couple of like sneaky concussion jokes in this. That's one of them. And the other one, Bart tackles Martin, and Martin says, you could hurt my calculator, by which I mean my head. <laughs> right. I think there's two iconic scenes in this episode. One of them we'll come to in a bit, but the other one is Marge trying to get Bart's equipment and not wanting to ask for a cup. Yep. And the, the guy makes, he, makes her spell it out with, I want to see you pee. <laughs> Classic. He's going to need a, you know, protection. Sure, one helmet coming up. I was thinking more like protection for down there. Oh, why didn't you say so? Knee pads, you got it. (laughs) I'm talking about his personal area. Aha, see no more. I read you loud and clear. The old shoulder pads. Look, I want a cup. Cup, could you spell that? C-U-P. I want to see you. Oh, my God. He wouldn't give it to her until nope. she spelled it. <laughs> a bit of sneaky wise guy there as well who pops up from time to time. Right. And after she gets the cup, she gives it to Bart and he immediately puts it in and then has Millhouse kick him in the crotch over and over again. <laughs> Have you ever worn a cup in sports when you were younger? In fact, I wear a, a cup. We actually, we call it a box. A box. Okay. Or a, a protector. Sure. Sure. But yeah, I, I always call it my box. Yeah, I wear, wear one for cricket. You don't want to get hit in the balls with a cricket ball. So you. I, I actually had to buy a new one this season because the one I got was, and don't get this wrong, slightly too small. And- <laughs> It had these little, it, it's got, made of like a firm plastic, and Bart's is a bit similar to this. Yep. It's got little holes in it, about the size of a hole that a hole punch would make. Yep. And I was terrified that some of my penis or balls, <laughs> I don't know why I've <laughs> loaded up for that, there's no euphemism, <laughs> right. would get caught in the plastic and get sandwiched against the cricket ball hitting me. Yeah. So I had to go and get another one. And- Basically, all of the ones you can find now are like UFC style, which, for want of a better phrase, go in under your gooch, and it's incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable. It doesn't fit well in my underwear. And I'm like, am I actually going to have to finally bite the bullet and after so many years get a proper jock strap rather than like <laughs> tucking it right up against the goods? Oh, man. It's digging into that taint. The old forbidden <laughs> land. But It is. It's incredibly uncomfortable if yeah. I'm wearing the wrong undies. Bounces around. It's- Horrible. Anyway, well, good good penis talk. Yeah, well, what's funny is when I saw this scene, I remember doing something like that as a kid. <laughs> and I had completely <laughs> forgot about it. But when I was really young, again, back in elementary school, I think I got one for soccer or something. And my buddy was with me and he had to get one. It was like on a list of things you needed to get, which I don't even think we ever wore them at one point. I, I don't remember wearing them, but I do remember putting them on and seeing how hard we could kick each other and hit each other with things in the crotch. 
<laughs> they do that in uh, the first Jackass film and also in the last one as well, Jackass 4. They do the uh, the cup test and they've got, I think it's Chris Pontius. They're in a jockstrap with an Olympic softball pitcher throwing the ball <laughs> at him. Those guys, and those guys. Classic, classic Jackass. So I would say that's that's quite quite good. That's the second or one of the iconic scenes in there. Sure. We talked about Bart wearing 15 for Bart Star. Rod and Todd wearing 66 and 6, and so when they stand next to each other, it's got 666. Nice, yes. (laughs) Fun little sight gag. Yep, for sure. One thing that I'd forgotten about, not having seen this one in a while, there's no real B plot to this. It is literally just Bart plays football, Homer becomes the coach. Usually, and certainly in the episodes we watch, there'll be like a subplot of, oh, and Marge and Lisa are off having their own adventure. In this one, we don't get that. We do get Lisa showing up and being like, I want to play. That's right. Can you believe it? A girl wants to play football. You're probably going to stop me. And Flanders is just like, yeah, come on. We've already got four girls. And Lisa, obviously upset she can't make a statement, then tries to turn it into, um, oh, I would never throw around a pigskin. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's synthetic. And every ball we make, we donate to Amnesty. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of run, <laughs> runs off crying that she doesn't get to make a political statement, which was, this was kind of that era of Lisa. Right. Where she was just a, what Flanders say to her? Like a, oh, is that the sound of butting in? It's the, the answer to a question no one asked. Dad, we meant well, and everyone here tried their best. Well, my family and I can't live in good intentions, Marge. Oh, your family is out of control, but we can't blame you because you have good intentions. Hey, back off, man. Oh, okay, dude. I wouldn't want you to have a cow, man. Here's a catchphrase you better learn for your adult years. Hey, buddy, got a quarter? (gasps) I am shocked and appalled. Mr. Flanders, with all due respect, Bart didn't do anything. (gasps) Do I hear the sound of butting in? It's got to be little Lisa Simpson. Springfield's answer to a question no one asked. Yeah, exactly. Every episode she's trying to to fight for that and they shut her down pretty quickly with like, no, it's cool. Come on board. (laughs) She's like, I don't really like football. Homer obviously antagonizes Flanders. He's sitting there, he's heckling him before the game even starts. And Marge says to him, it's very easy to criticize. No, he replies with, and fun too. <laughs> right. I love it when Flanders is first getting the kids to go out on it, on the field and they're like repeating everything he says. And he's like, are you ready to go the whole nine yards? And they're like, yay, nine yards, nine yards. <laughs> Football joke. Oh, he's good. You get um, Homer heckling Flanders with the Flanders. <laughs> he finally turns around with the games out there. <laughs> yeah. Flanders. What? Flanders. What? What is it? Games out there. <laughs> Made you look. It's good stuff. Flanders does a reasonable job of coaching the team. The team's undefeated. Nelson is the team's quarterback and best player. I've got as the best football play that we in any of the episodes, Nelson's rushing touchdown with Bart blocking where he just picks up Bart and like stiff arms every kid with Bart, especially when he runs out of his way to do it to a kid who's not going to attack him. <laughs> yep, that's mine too. He's like, Bart, you're going to block for me and Bart's all pumped up. Yeah. And then Nelson just grabs him by the back. And then, yeah, he gets down to the one yard line and there's still a kid way over. So he runs vertically up and just knocks him over. <laughs> and then gets the touchdown. It was a good scene. Definitely the best football that we saw. Flanders, pissed off with Homer's abuse, basically walks up into the crowd. I always enjoy Flanders snapping. We've talked about him doing it after the hurricane, which is obviously classic. I don't know who you are, but I'm sure you're a jerk. 
yeah. Okay, dude, don't have a cow, <laughs> man. Here's a catchphrase for you, buddy. Can you spare a quarter? <laughs> Flanders snaps, makes Homer coach. We see, we get the reappearance from Tom Landry's hat from You Only Move Twice, our favorite episode. Yes. He buys it uh, with the fantastic line, wait a minute, I'm a guy like me. <laughs> right. <gasps> Tom Landry's hat. And it's autographed to Berman's Dry Cleaning. Best wishes, Tom Landry. Why don't you buy it? I can't buy that. Only management type guys with big salaries like me can afford things like that. <gasps> guys like me. I'm a guy like me. So Homer immediately swings the axe, makes Bart his QB against his wishes. His Bart's terrible and all the team are angry about it. And we get the other iconic scene, which you see every year on Twitter. Your cut. Good practice, team. Okay, it's time for the easiest part of any coach's job. The cuts. Now, while I wasn't able to cut everyone I wanted to, I have cut a lot of you. Wendell is cut. Rudy is cut. Janie, you're gone. Steven, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations. The rest of you made the team. <sighs> Except you, you, and you. Oh, God. Yeah, that was that's funny through the whole thing. Homer's just constantly cutting kids. And it, <laughs> the joke works so well because at first he's like, now it's a coach's favorite time, the cuts. And he just starts cutting people. And then after they're cut, he cuts a few more. But then throughout the whole thing, he's just like, he's just <laughs> cutting people. And at one point, you know, to get down the story, but it, it, we'll, we'll get there. But he invites Bart back onto the team. It's a little spoiler alert. And Bart's like, well, isn't whoever playing my role? And he's like, don't worry, he's cut. there's also a reference to rudy the second person that homer cuts is rudy right yeah that's i'd miss that very good very good did you ever well you obviously played soccer we've talked about that in this episode did you have any run-ins or memorable sort of nepotism from junior sport one time there was a coach whose son was on the team but his son was really good um which i think kind of drove him like none of us were mad about it it's like this kid can play. There wasn't any situation like this where the kid couldn't play and the dad's like, that's my boy, get in there. Have you ever run into that? I saw it quite a bit growing up. We used to play cricket against a team and their coach was a psycho and he'd like yell at the other kids, like yell at kids on his team, yell at the kids on the other team, yell at the umpires, yell at the scorers, just a real, like a real asshole. And his kid wasn't very good, but he made his kid captain. Oh. And I remember we parked next to him and we're getting out of the car and he was he and his kid were getting out of there and he spied a clearly a, a kid from another team called him over and was like you know you should always carry your captain's bag for him no and like cricket bags pretty heavy what like got the the other kids to carry this kid's bag and the the poor kid like clearly hated cricket as well like he wasn't very good didn't want to be there it was really like homer and bart this guy was an asshole yeah, in. that's if you're listening adrian porter don't listen yeah, that's like low-key mild child abuse. You know what I mean? Child labor at the very least on a small scale. Dude, that sucks. That guy's a prick. The other good story I have is um, when I used to play football, and I was a terrible, like Australian football, I was terrible, and I probably still am. But one of the players on our team, his dad was the coach of the local professional team. So this would be like going to play peewee football, and all of a sudden Bill Belichick's coming down to like coach you. 
Except it wouldn't be Bill Belichick. It'd be uh, Nathaniel Hackett because you listen to this guy talk and you're like, I'm not sure you know anything about football, yet somehow you're the coach of a professional team. Right. <laughs> you barely string a sentence together. And I'm not sure you tactically know what you're doing. That's why your team is shit. Or would it be like Sean Payton going home after being suspended for a year and coaching his son's team? Check out our own team podcast. It would be exactly like that. Except if his kid was good and he was a terrible coach. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a scene in The Simpsons that I like around this where Homer's pressuring his kid the second he becomes coach, pressuring Bart. He makes him do laps in the backyard, and then Marge is trying to talk him down, like, your dad never believed in you and all that stuff. And Homer says, if you know a better way to live my life through my son, I'd like to hear it. (laughs) That's quite a sweet scene, and we do get this from time to time, that Homer has a terrible relationship with Grandpa Simpson. Right. And you see that manifest in the way that he is a father to Bart, which is, I th- it is very accurate. And in this one, Homer's a, uh, a rhythmic gymnast. Yep. And Grandpa is like, basically, don't fuck up. And then Homer's doing really well. And then Grandpa's like, you're totally going to fuck up. And then Homer trips. Yeah. And then Grandpa's like, this is what I get for showing faith in you. Right. Funny scene, though. It, it was like Marge was in the audience and was like, who's that? As he does this, like- dancing (laughs) it was a funny scene but yeah kind of sad for sure after that and homer came to the realization like yeah i gotta treat my son good and support him he comes outside and he's like i'm proud of you son come give me a hug and it switches to bart's mind and he he just immediately goes must be a trick run and then he takes off running and homer's like come here and give me a hug and he's chasing him around the backyard it was funny (laughs) <laughs> and Bart's like throwing outdoor furniture at him. Right. Chairs and Homer's falling down and Bart's jumping things to get away from him. Bart's trying to improve his skills uh, as a quarterback so the team doesn't hate him. They basically threaten him and say that if we lose another game, they're going to beat the shit out of him. Joe Namath. Broadway Joe breaks down outside the Simpsons house while Bart is practicing. Namath comes up and is saying is happy to give Bart a hand and says, I'm going to teach you the only thing you know to need to know to be a good quarterback. And as he's about to say it, Namath's uh, girlfriend fixes the car and he says, all right, I got to go. And you get this flashback of Bart in his own head. I'm going <laughs> to tell you the only thing you need to know. I'm Joe Namath. It was just yeah. vapor lock. <laughs> My car broke down. It's like nothing is of value. It's just floating around. <laughs> Apparently that's a, a parody of Joe Namath's appearance on the Brady Bunch. Which is an episode I think I've seen. Oh, interesting. I've seen a lot of the Brady Bunch, but I've seen that. So without Namath's help, or I suppose useful advice, Bart pretends to be injured and Homer tries to get the team to forfeit and Bart quits the team. That's the sort of the crux or the falling out of the episode. I do love that Marge, oh, <laughs> Marge is talking about she's got a tick that's burrowed deeper than any <laughs> tick she's ever had before yeah. to try and make conversation at a very awkward dinner. Yeah, she's like proud of it. Like that little guy just really dug in there. <laughs> Lisa's <laughs> like, "Mom, we're eating." So they get into a bit of an argument uh, about being a quitter and Homer calls Mr. Burns, and one of one of my favorite running jokes is how Mr. Burns answers the phone with "Ahoy hoy." Yeah. Which is how Thomas Edison wanted people to answer the phone. <laughs> it's very good. As you say, Bart rejoins the team. Oh, no. I'd say there's one more game in between, and we get a cameo from Mike Judge as Hank Hill to promote uh, King of the Hill. Yes, which is, I guess- 
has to be around when that show started, right? I mean, very early on. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Were you a King of the Hill fan? I'm not. Yeah, it just never... <laughs> I mean, there's quotes and stuff that I found funny, but overall, I really didn't watch it. Did you? Yeah, I think... Um Mike Judge's appearance in this is my only reference to King of the Hill. But I'm sure we'll we'll end up covering on it. There's got to be Dallas Cowboys episodes of that or something. Oh, for sure. And there's one part during this game where Nelson's like trying to, he's like, go long, go long. And he's like, I'll just do it myself. And then he throws it and he runs and catches his own football. It reminded me of that yeah. uh, Mariota pass to himself. That's right. And then he says, he's like panting at the end of the, uh, or in the end zone. And says, oh, i got to quit smoking. <laughs> yeah. uh, we get a rare appearance from Mr. Muntz as well in this one, picking up Nelson after the game. Uh, Nelson's the hero, and uh, Mr. Muntz says, come on, son, I'm taking you to Hooters. And <laughs> Nelson says, I don't want to bother mum at work. <laughs> right. As you said, like Homer convinces Bart to come back on the team, and uh, Homer goes in and tries to buy Skittle Brow, which is beer with Skittles floating in it. I had planned to drink some Skittle Brow, in honor of that during this episode, but we didn't have Skittles in the house. Everything is closed for the Queen's funeral today, so no luck there. Uh, but Apu says that no such product exists, but the next season when they go to uh, Japan, you can see Skittle Brow on the shelves. Nice. Very nice. It all wraps up. Homer apologized to Bart, convinces him to rejoin the team. Yep. It's all tied up in the championship game, and the police show up to arrest Nelson. And Homer says, are you, you know, are you okay to take his place? And then the bait and switch is that he means getting arrested as Nelson Muntz, which turns out <laughs> to be for burglary and arson. Yeah, Bart's sitting in the back of the police car and the police chief Wiggins is like, you're going to go away for a long time, Muntz. <laughs> and then Bart gets all <laughs> sad and then they go back to the game. So, yeah, that's the, um, that's the first episode we watch Bart star. How would you rate that? I suppose... As a Simpsons episode, if you were to put it on an isolated version of our scale, yep, just with Simpsons episodes. So for this one, I'd probably give it around a fifth round. Really? That late? Yeah. I mean, I struggled with this one between a fourth and a fifth. Out of the ones we watched, I think I like the other ones a little bit more. And I thought just maybe I had a couple good laughs in there, and but it was a little bit dated. You know what? I'll give it a fourth. I'll give it a fourth. You talked me into it. Where are you at with it? Uh, for me, I think this is a third. You've got some good jokes in there. You've got, like, the, the Namath cameo is quite funny. The, your cut scene is quite funny. I don't think this is an absolute classic, but it's better than better than a lot of them, I would say. And certainly if you're looking at the 800-odd episodes that they've made, I think this one's probably in the top, I would say to be in the top 150 most people or certainly the top 200 which is about third fourth round for me so yep. i'm gonna say third round not not a classic by any means good stuff yeah and i did like it i guess um i don't know maybe i was just being a little harsh on it in retrospect really and honestly i do hold the simpsons to a higher standard than other stuff i guess so yeah i think it's easily a fourth round and i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna argue if it's a third you know what i mean so yep fair the next episode, we've watched Sunday, Cruddy Sunday, season 10, episode 12. Currently has a 7.0 uh, 7 out of 10 on IMDb. First aired on January 31st, 1999, which was immediately after the first ever episode of Family Guy. Ooh, it's a fun little fact there. 
Also from this season, we have Lard of the Dance, where Homer starts selling his own grease. We have Mare to the Mob, which is Homer becomes a bodyguard for Mayor Quimby, which features Mark Hamill. You get Viva Ned Flanders, where Homer and Flanders go to Vegas and get married. Uh, you get Homer to the Max, where Homer changes his name to Max Power. Love that one. Maximum Homer Drive, where Homer becomes a long-haul trucker after he kills Red Barclay in an eating contest. And we get 30 minutes over Tokyo, which is where they go to Japan, which, as we said, references Skittlebrow. Yep, that's a classic episode, too. Jap- Japanese episode, for sure. I think so. They're meeting at America Town. Yeah. And yeah. they're battling seizure robots. Yep. So this one, the cold open, is a visit to the post office and reminiscent of the box factory tour in Bart's get in Bart Gets Famous. Yep. There was a really dark school shooting joke in this. Yes, I noticed that as well. Yeah. I heard it. It was like, whoa, that is that is hardcore. Nelson asked Postmaster Bill if he ever went on a shooting spree. And Postmaster Bill's sort of like, ha ha, that doesn't happen anymore. And Skinner says, I'm just glad I work in an elementary school. Right. Right. And <laughs> I think adding the elementary school even more so made it dark. You know, it was like, oh, man. Because there was always those jokes about going postal. Let me ask you something. Well, what do you do for a living, Newman? I'm a United States postal worker. <laughs> Aren't those the guys that always go crazy and come back with a gun and shoot everybody? Sometimes. Why is that? Because the mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let up. It's relentless. Every day it piles up more and more and more. And you've got to get it out. But the more you get out, the more it keeps coming in. And then the barcode reader breaks. And it's published. It's clearing out. All right, all right. Just take the records. They're in the bedroom. Take them. Take anything you want. Yeah, yeah. It's not great, but it was it was a while ago. You know, it was a time ago. Um, but there was always things about, you know, mailmen losing their mind and, and shooting, you know, shooting everybody and going postal was a phrase. So, you know, I guess it kind of makes sense for the time to to joke about that. But then throwing it into the school is oof. Yikes. I don't think they would make that joke now, and I think that's one of those jokes that if you were like, oh my god, I can't believe they made that joke on The Simpsons, it would there would be a sort of soft media outrage. You could also look that this was made in 1999. Socially, a lot of the jokes have come a lot further than that. You know, I think that we can argue that people have come along, along further than that. So, I don't remember there being anyone like, oh gosh, you know, at the time of that being around or really ever since then, but you certainly couldn't get away with that joke now. It's it's just too much of a a hot button. You know, people are, are very sensitive to that situation as they should be. Well, there is a joke in this that did upset a lot of people and caused it to be censored in future broadcasts. But I'm not saying I'm offended by by this joke, but it's just it doesn't feel very Simpsony. Feels a lot darker. But anyway, at the post office, Bart gets a book of coupons from the dead letter office, I suppose, and gives it to Homer for his birthday. Homer uses his coupons all over town, and one of them is to get his wheels rebalanced. And after getting scammed by another wise guy, he meets Wally Kogan, who is voiced by Fred Willard. Well, if you don't know the name, you'll know the face. He's been in a bunch of Christopher Guest movies with a bunch of other Simpsons alums. He's Phil's dad on Modern Family. And uh, 
before sadly passing away in 2020, he's also the wacky organ player in I Think You Should Leave. Right. Yeah. Really funny scene there. We always love I <laughs> Think You so Should Leave. Thanks for the Yeah. Yeah. That's a great scene. He's hitting the drums and, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> Throwing plates. <laughs> Throwing plates <laughs> during his service. It's funny stuff. Um, so for this particular thing, I think he fit the character very, very well. You know, I know that there was some things that happened with this Willard through time. I think he, he had some, some issues through time. But as far as a character in this, he was, uh, it fit that kind of, oh, I'm getting suckered again kind of guy. He does that very meek, dopey kind of character pretty well. Yeah, I think if they were to make this again now, for whatever reason, it'd be old Gil. Yes, yeah, exactly. He was like pre-old Gil, I think. Who is uh, himself a parody of Jack Lemmon in Glengarry Glen Ross, one of the great films. Yeah, that movie's great. So Homer remembers Wally Kogan because they were both in the same pyramid scheme, which tells you all you need to know about both of them. And Wally is a travel agent and says to Homer, they're talking about the Super Bowl, are you going to go this year? And he says, if you can put together a charter bus to the Super Bowl, you can come along for free. Hey, Mo, you want to come with me and Wally to the Super Bowl? Oh, absolutely. My favorite team's in it. The Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, ever since I was a boy, I've always loved the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, they're good, but I wouldn't count out the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I hear that President... Clinton is going to be watching with his wife, Hillary. I cannot read Atlanta Falcons without hearing the way that Mo says it uh. in this episode, where they're all putting the mugs over their mouth. <laughs> like, My favorite team has always been the Atlanta Falcons. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where you could tell that they wrote it, I guess, before the game, before they knew who the Super Bowl people were going to be. Maybe they already knew, but they made it so that every time they said the teams, they put a, a pint in front of their face and they did it very blatantly. They made that part of the joke. Like, I've always wanted to see the Denver Broncos. And it was just because that's who ended up going to the Super Bowl that year. The Atlanta Falcons versus the Denver Broncos. And you also get the uh, I hope President Clinton is watching with his wife, Hillary, <laughs> right. as uh, a reference to the. Um, the Clinton impeachment trial, which had been going on at the time. And again, that circles back at the end where President Clinton calls them in the winner's locker room and Al Gore's measuring up his office. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, not now, Al. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, kicks him out. Good stuff. Homer gets the people of Springfield together, all the guys. I do like where he's doing the roll call of names. Oh, I think it's Lisa. He's like, there's comic book guy and the squeaky voice teen and the sea captain, all the characters who sort of don't have real names. Yep. We get another Rudy joke as Rudy's running along asking if he can be part of the bus and uh, part of the trip to the Super Bowl and no, he can't. He falls behind and the bus <laughs> the bus pulls away. Everyone cheers as you get the Notre Dame march, the Notre Dame march uh, happening over the top. I thought that was funny. They're riding along. They're like, you can't come. You're too small. Was it what I make up for in skill? I, or what I lack in skill, I make up for in obnoxiousness. <laughs> right. So everyone heads to the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, there is a B-plot in this one. Apparently, the writers wanted Marge and Lisa to do the most boring thing possible. Yeah. And that is 
they do a craft kit, which ends up being Vincent Price's egg magic. And there's no feet for the egg. And they call Vincent Price. It's terrible. Apparently, this came a- about because of Dan Castellaneta's Vincent Price impression. And they were trying to find a way to work it into the episode. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't read about that. That was funny. Because, yeah, he had already passed on. Because even in the show, yep. they're like... They call and they get a. You re- must know the crypt could never keep me. <laughs> it's a recording, but they leave it kind of ambiguous. Marge is like, or Lisa says, "I, I don't get it. Is is he is he dead or not?" <laughs> and then they just move on to the next scene. Hello, this is Vincent Price. Oh, it's Vincent Price. I thought he was dead. You should know the grave could never tame me. <laughs> oh, Mr. Price, I loved you in the abominable doc. If you're calling about the missing feet, leave your address, and the replacement feet will be rushed to you by my grandson, Jody. And now, I must return to the sweet embrace of the crypt. But I'll be back. <laughs> so is he alive or not? Apparently, the fact it's egg magic is a reference to Price buying Egghead in the 1960s Batman series. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Some tricks and also some tricks. (laughs) So Homer and the guys get to the Super Bowl. Ned is worried about where he can pray. And Wally's like, don't worry, the NFL has you covered. And it scans across to the Rosie Greer Porter Chapel. Now, are you familiar with Rosie Greer? I am. Yeah, uh, he was a um, he was a defensive tackle for the Giants, and also part of the original fearsome foursome from the L.A. Rams. But he was also a Protestant minister, so I guess that you know, obviously, this episode is has a bunch of stars in it. Um, but then when he when he starts praying, he's like, "Lord, I hope the wandering Oakland Raiders will one day find a home," <laughs> and it's all football stuff in his ministry. <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> I uh, I will add as well, um, not just a Protestant minister, still currently kicking at age 90, so good for him. Good for him. Shout out. When he retired from football, he became a bodyguard and was Robert Kennedy's bodyguard when Kennedy was shot and killed. It's crazy. And he, he subdued Sirhan Sirhan, the guy who shot him. Um, he also hosted his own TV show. He guest starred on- Basically, every show at the time, as seemingly every actor did, like, oh, he did the Brady Bunch and MASH and blah, blah, blah. He released a couple of songs, including one that was a tribute to Bobby Kennedy. He wrote a book called Needlepoint for Men. And as you say, he's a Protestant minister. In 2018, at the age of 86, he ran for governor of California. Wow. What a life, Rosie Greer. What a life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That is a man who has filled the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Also, his sister is basically the first ever female action star, Pam Greer. And have I got that right? Pam Greer? Yeah. Yeah. Pam Greer. Pam yep. Greer is a human. Pam Greer. And uh, his nephew was the first ever black general manager in the NHL. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. Three cheers for Rosie Greer. The Greer family. They're just dominating at life. He had a hell of a career. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> there was another scene here that I liked. So they, they're going through all the stars and Troy Aitman's doing caricatures and he's drawing Ned and he's like, so do you like doom buggies? 
And Ned's like, not really. And Aikman's like, sure you do. Everyone likes dune buggies. And it shows the wall of of pictures that he's drawn. And every single person is in a dune buggy. That that is quite funny. I uh, I thought I forgot that it was Troy Aikman doing that. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of cameos in this. You get Aikman, as you say. We get uh, Rosie Greer voices himself. You get Dan Marino. You get John Mann. You get Pat Summerall. You get Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. You get Rupert Murdoch. We'll come to some of those later. Yep. Dan Marino is throwing passes to people. It's like a lineup catch pass from Dan Marino. He's thrown it to Bart and Homer intercepts it. And Marino gets Bubba and Hacksaw to go and take down Homer. I don't know if you noticed this. They look like Bubba and Ski from Blue yes, Thunder. Yes, I was thinking the exact same thing. Yep, absolutely. That had to be a call out to that. Because we're also looking at For sure. 99. So it's not that far away from that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to comment too. They had to be thinking. About I'm sure we'll post the picture on uh, on the socials so you can see. It definitely looks like Bubba and Skate. For sure. Which, until very recently, a reference I would not have got. Yeah, no way. And then also, Troy Aikman is a direct seven degrees of separation, one degree of separation from Jerry Maguire. He was in that, so. Yes. This episode is loaded with cameos. Do you have any favorites from The Simpsons across the run? Yeah, so my absolute favorite would be Phil Phil Hartman as Troy McClure. You might recognize him from Simpsons episodes such as Bart the Murderer and Flaming Moe's. But uh, <laughs> I love Phil Hartman. I loved him on SNL. I thought he was honestly underrated on SNL, but I remember me and my buddy. The glue. Huh? The glue, they called him because he held everything together. And he did. And I remember talking to my buddy one time and I was like, who's your favorite SNL guy? And he's like, Phil Hartman easily, which kind of shocked me because there are a lot of big stars circled around him. And I was like, you know what? I love Phil Hartman. Um, so he was probably my favorite. Outside of that, I think it's got to be Kelsey Grammer, right? Sideshow Bob. Oh, I mean, I absolutely love Kelsey Grammer. I love Sideshow Bob. Mm. Those are some of my favorite episodes. Right? I don't know if he's a cameo. He's sort of like a recurring character, a bit like Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz as well, who's Phil Hartman. They sort of stuck around for a bit longer. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I always enjoy Sideshow Bob showing up. I love the episode um, with his brother Cecil, which is just a parody of Frasier. Yep. <laughs> yep. And the Cape Fear episode is probably- pretty high on my list yeah. of the ones that I like. You know, that's that's a very good one. It tricks him into singing the um, entire score of the HMS Pinafore. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Uh, but there's a ton of them. There's so many people. Uh, Betty White shows up in one, and she gets, like, these thugs to take care of Homer. It's a good one. How about you? Who, do you have any favorite cameos outside of those guys? I mentioned it from this season. I really like Mark Hamill in... Um, uh, Mad to the Mob, where he's in the Star Wars version of Guys and Dolls dressed as Luke Skywalker. We get the uh, Use the Forks, Homer carries him out bodyguard style. Yes. Uh, that's quite good. Johnny Cash as the, um, the coyote in Homer's Hallucination. Yep. Yep. I remember that when he does peyote. They're the two that really stand out to me. You're right. Kelsey Grammer, David Hyde Pierce in that episode as well. And then um, John Mahoney shows up later as their dad, who played. Uh, they've dad on Frasier. Right. Yeah, that's right. Very cool. 
Uh, Leonard Nimoy, he's always like a classic. And again, he shows. <laughs> Didn't I? <laughs> yeah. He shows up a lot in it as well. He was in the monorail episode that we mentioned and TV host. He, he was constantly popping up in it. And it was always funny to see him because he always played himself. Really enjoy that as well. So unfortunately for Homer and Wally and the guys, their tickets are fake. They're printed on crackers. There's no team <laughs> called the Spungos. Stop eating our tickets. Yeah, that was the best part. He goes through all the reasons that they're fake. And at first they're real practical. He's like, this doesn't have a hologram and there's no team called the Spunkos and they're printed on graham crackers and then he bites it. <laughs> so they try and break in. They see the halftime entertainment costumes and you think they're going to dress up as the halftime entertainment, but no, they just use it to push over the guards. Right. Like a, uh, there's a lemon behind that rock. <laughs> that sort of thing. Exactly. Exactly. So they get stuck in stadium jail. Now, I assume most stadiums probably have like a holding cell or, or a stadium jail. The Eagles old stadium famously had a court in it. Had a what? It had a, it had a court. I'm pretty sure. Really? Wild. That's just, that just goes to show Philly fans. They're, they're a rowdy bunch. Yes, there was a jail inside of Veterans Stadium. I should know. Here's some inside baseball for you all. I have in my notes here. Courtroom in Eagle Stadium question mark and highlighted for me to get more information, and I clearly didn't. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, there there absolutely was a jail. It says after an embarrassing Monday night football game in 1997 that features do- featured dozens of fistfight stands, the Philadelphia Eagles elected to build a jail and a court under their stadium. This jail court started in 1999, was run by Judge Seamus McCaffrey, who would deal with unruly fans. It's wild and. I don't know. I, I'm surprised it took him that long <laughs> to get that jail jail in there. But I wonder if they use that outside of stadium at all. Like, can you go, you know, you got a parking ticket and you're near the stadium. Can you just go get that sorted out? Maybe that'll be a future episode. We can read through the trial scra- trial transcripts from Eagles Court. Oh, that would be so good. I'm sure it's amazing. Maybe there's a Christmas special. We can do a um, a courtroom drama based in Eagles Court. Love it. So they get stuck in stadium jail. In this one, a bit of a, I suppose, a throwback to an earlier episode. We see a mock Super Bowl ad based on ZZ Top's Legs music video. <laughs> and I, in the version I watched on Disney+, Plus. It turns out to be an ad for the Catholic Church, and it says, you know, you see the, the girl in the, like, with her tits out with a, a crucifix yeah, in front of this. tight leather pants, and yeah, they're, like, washing a car. Or, no, they're pumping gas for a guy. That's what they're doing. They come out to, like, pump gas, but they're all over his car. Yeah, it's basically a, an exact parody of Legs, by the music video for Legs, and also kind of like the Cindy Crawford one as well. Right. That- I think one hour poll. Yep. Or maybe was up did. I can't remember. Yep, the Pepsi commercial. And then they're like, the church, we're changing things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Catholic Church like properly complained and got it censored in future versions. So in the US, it just says the church. Over here it says the Catholic Church. Oh really? Yeah, the one I saw said yep. the church. Wild. It's the Catholic Church. Ooh. Apparently it's not supposed to be a dig at Catholics. It's more of like a dig of you watch the Super Bowl and you don't really know what they're advertising. Yeah, because Lisa immediately afterwards is like, these commercials don't make sense or something like that, something along those lines. And it's just making fun of Super Bowl commercials, really, in general, because some of them do not. But yeah, those crazy Catholics getting upset over nothing again. <laughs> they see Dolly Parton walking past Super Bowl jail, and it turns out that her and Wally go way back. And so they get 
Dolly to break them out of prison with her makeup remover. <laughs> that part afterwards got one of the biggest laughs out of me because it's really Dolly Parton. And then one of the guys walks up to her and says something along the lines of, are you seeing anyone? And she's like, gotta go. And she puts on a Snoopy head and then rockets <laughs> away from them in a jetpack. And it was like yeah. so out of the blue that it got a, a legitimate laugh out of me. Well, she says she's supposed to be there performing a duet with Rob Lowe and Stomp. Yeah. Which, again, all very of its time. But you're right. Yeah, she zooms away on like that same, the same fan backpack that Mo uses to rescue Homer when he's a boxer. Right. Yep. So they get out of jail. They run around the stadium and they end up in Rupert Murdoch's box. And apparently they needed to do a bunch of takes of Rupert Murdoch saying billionaire tyrant because he found it so funny. Yeah, that's it's interesting because they make fun of Rupert Murdoch a lot and he didn't seem to he said that he doesn't mind and then did voices throughout the show, um, which is pretty cool, you know, to kind of take that because they they really rib on him throughout time. Wacky old Rupert Murdoch. I once went 10 pin bowling uh, and in the. Adjacent Alley was his then wife, Jerry Hall. Hmm. A little sh- so, yeah. she hands life moments. Hey, exactly. The time I went bowling next to Jerry Hall. She wasn't very good. So Rupert Murdoch obviously kicks him out of his box uh, and they end up in the winning team's locker room for the post game. They're all celebrating. Homer speaks to uh, Clinton on the phone. Do you do a good Clinton? Uh, no. No, I, no, I don't think <laughs> I do. <laughs> no, I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pull one out. So too, uh, Do you got one? Let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Hillary, <laughs> I don't have to sit here all the time. I'd rather be back home. <laughs> that depends on what your definition of is is, stupid. <laughs> Which was another another Simpsons line. Hey, you sure you're going to go and get that dress dry cleaned? <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of it. The episode ends with John Madden and Pat Summerall breaking down the episode. In classic Madden fashion, I suppose, the breaking it down. And Summer will ask him, is it weird that in a Super Bowl episode featuring Dolly Parton, we see no football and there's no singing? And Madden gets angrier and angrier. <laughs> right. Well, John, what did you think of tonight's episode? I loved it. The last minute addition of Wally Kogan to the lineup was a bit of a gamble, but it really paid off. Marge and Lisa painting eggs. Did that work for you? Oh, big time. They came off the bench with a huge effort that allowed Homer and Bart to make some significant gains. Did it strike you as odd that in a Super Bowl show with Dolly Parton, we didn't see any football or singing? I hadn't thought about it, Pat, but in retrospect, it was kind of a ripoff. What a way to treat the loyal fans who put up with so much nonsense from this franchise. Any final thoughts? Nah, I'm too mad. Let's get the heck out of here. All aboard, boys. I've been waiting for you. Now, I'll tell you, that doesn't make a lick of sense. I know. Just get on the bus. Where's that infernal clutch? Wait, wait, I'll get it. Give it some gas, Grandpa. Oh, quiet, Jody. You're not helping. And then at the very end, Vincent Price pulls up on a bus and is like, get in. And Madden's like, see, this makes no sense at all. And then the credits roll. Uh, That got a laugh out of me, too. For sure. So where does this one sit on the spectrum for you? So this one had a lot of stars and it definitely had some funny moments. I'm going to probably put it on par with the last one. I think there was a little, maybe too much star service in this one. You know what I mean? It was like one of those ones where it's like, see how many stars we can get. But I did have a, it did have 
many funny moments. So I'm going to put this one in the fourth round too. Yeah, for me, this I think is symptomatic of a lot of what's wrong with later Simpsons episodes. Um, there's clearly instruction that you need to do a Super Bowl episode. The cameos for the sake of cameos. There's not really a plot. Nothing. It's just a bunch of shit sticky taped together. I'm going to say this is sixth round. Ooh, okay. I probably could give it a little bit higher because there are some funny jokes in it. But no, for me, it's it's just, oh, hey, look, here's another reference. Yep. And I think symbolically, this was the passing of the torch from The Simpsons to Family Guy. Interesting. Well, that's heavy. If I was probably going to pick out of the two, since we're on, on these two, I would probably watch Bart Starr again. Me too. Now, our last and, to my mind anyway, least episode, Homer and Ned's Hail Mary Pass from season 16, episode eight. I didn't even bother to put in what other episodes are in this season because I couldn't tell you if they're good, bad or indifferent. First aired after the Super Bowl 39 where the Patriots beat the Eagles. The last episode we talked about uh, was screened after Family Guy's debut. This one screened after American Dad's first episode. Um, I felt this episode very of its time. Like There's a joke about the crazy cat lady not being on her meds, and then she is, but she isn't. Marge wants to do something about a park, but it's already happening, which has got real Lester and Eliza vibes from a very much earlier episode. Right. Yep. I think there was definitely funny scenes in this part, which we can get into. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I did think it was pretty funny, though. No, I thought this episode was terrible. You did. You did. I thought there were parts- I did. Yeah, I thought there were parts that were pretty good. So the cold open for this one, the Simpsons go to a charity event to save the local park. Flanders outbids Homer for a video camera. Homer beats Bart at a carnival game and gets videotaped gloating. And the comic book guy, whose name is revealed in this episode, uploads it to the internet and Homer goes viral. That's how much of a ti- of its time it is, 2005. Right. Comic book guy's name is Jeff Albertson. And yeah, that's the first time it's revealed. Otherwise known as the comic book guy. Worst episode ever. <laughs> as a result of his viral fame, Homer gets hired to choreograph touchdown celebration for Dion Overstreet, the running back for the San Antonio Cattle Skulls. It's the first time we've had a fake team name in a little while. Hey, where does this one come in? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's more on the, the humorous side for sure. I mean, I don't think they were trying to make it like, they were trying to make a joke out of it. You know, cattle skulls. You know, I did notice that though. I was like, wow, we've had a lot of normal teams, but now we're jumping back to the Gus era of all fake teams. There was a, a funny scene before he shows up and Homer's really upset about the internet thing going viral. and. It's kind of like the classic Homer where you always kind of expect him to be dumb. And he's like, the internet wasn't made for mockery. It was created for researchers at different universities to share data sets, which is true. And that part was kind of funny to me. Every once in a while, he'll throw out a stat, you know. He always turns to the camera and says, what? It's true. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, One of the first touchdown celebrations he choreographed for uh, Dion Overstreet. Includes mooning the crowd. Yeah. And of course, this aired 6th of February 2005. On the 9th of January 2005, Randy Moss's famous disgusting act where he pretended to moon the crowd happened. So I assume that's a direct reference to that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Randy Moss, without even really being able to run as he shoots the moon to the fans here in Green Bay. That is a disgusting act by Randy Moss. And it's unfortunate 
that we had that on our air live. That is disgusting by Randy Moss. That's a clip that always tickles me. Joe Buck just getting so angry. Yeah. What I think is the best joke in this episode is Homer's showing Dion how he could uh, showboat. And he pulls their famous sailboat picture off the wall and is like swinging it around his neck. And Marge grumbles, goes to a cupboard full of the exact same painting and just hangs another one up there. Right. Which uh, reminded me of all her pearl necklaces in the Cat Burglar episode. Right. And all her green dresses in the closet. Yeah, for sure. I thought there was a funny scene, which happens pretty early around the time frame that you're saying. There, the subplot is that Flanders bought a camera and they, they tie it back in, but he starts making TV shows. And the very first scene where it gets into the subplot, Rod and Todd are sitting watching TV and it has two grandparents sitting on their front porch swing and the grandson comes up and he's like, grandpa, will you go fishing with me? And he's like, sure. But first me and your grandmother are going to have old people sex. Thanks, Jamatin. <laughs> and it's like, nah, 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 Jamatin. <laughs> and I thought it was funny. Jam It's like. It's so, so on the nose too. So that was a, that was a pretty funny thing. Yeah. It was a very family guy joke, that one. And my um, significant other's grandfather was an actor and he appeared in a number of Cialis commercials over the journey. Ooh, there we go. Seven degrees to you right there. Shout out Grandpa Gil. Homer, I quite enjoy Homer's pyramid of success, which he explains to Lisa, which includes- in your face, mooning, the bird, obnoxiousness, poor sportsmanship, showboating, and crotch grabbing. Yeah. I always thought the bird. I didn't realize that was American slang. Oh, yeah. You uh, you didn't know the bird? Flip them the bird? The old middle finger? I knew what it is, and I've certainly called it that. I just didn't realize it wasn't, like, exclusively Australian slang. Oh, oh okay. I get what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we say that all the time around here, amongst other ridiculous things. <laughs> <laughs> Given someone the bird. Give them the bird. <laughs> it's it's very funny. I still I love giving people the finger. Yeah, it's classic. Nothing quite says uh, apathy and an insult in the same gesture. And there's a lot of it at Woodstock '99 as well. If you watch the documentary, like Limp Biscuit are coming out just doing it to the crowd. <laughs> Quality stuff. Maybe I'll start doing it more. I do enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, work that into your life. Really amp up your flipping the bird. Jan <laughs> just flipped me the bird. Turned on his camera to flip me the bird. The, the, <laughs> the double bird. You've mentioned Flanders starts making um, his own movies. He makes gory Bible films. And this is around the time that The Passion of the Christ came out. Right. And basically everyone is a fan of them except for Marge. Uh, but Mr. Burns decides he's going to bankroll his future projects. And he becomes more and more popular with them. Like people love these gory Bible films. And he starts with Cain and Abel, which I thought was the funniest of all. I thought it was one of the funnier scenes. Ned shows up as God with a leaf, a giant leaf over his crotch. Cause Ned, as we all know, is very well endowed and he's telling Cain and Abel to give him a sacrifice. And then they get to the point where Cain kills Abel and it's really bloody and gory. And in between the stabs and the scream, it like shows Ned as the devil and he laughs and it goes back to a stab. Then it shows him with these, all these bugs falling out of his mouth, <laughs> which was funny. And then it goes another stab. And then it shows a newspaper pop up that says, 
Massachusetts <laughs> approves gay marriage. And the devil's laughing the whole time. That whole scene got a legitimate laugh out of me. That was that was quite funny, to be honest. Yeah. Cross back to Homer's story here and Cameo City, LeBron James, Michelle Kwan, Yao Ming, Warren Sapp, and Tom Brady all cameo as themselves as Homer's clients. Uh, and I must say, this is the second time we've seen Brady. He's better in this than he's in Family Guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Family Guy, he was, I mean, we talk about it. You can go back and listen to the podcast. But overall, he didn't have many emotional ups or downs in this one. In this one, he made a couple jokes and it landed. I think the only one who's really bad of them was Yao Ming. And we get Michelle Kwan, which is a soft callback to the Kwan the from Jerry Kwan. Maguire. I thought the exact same thing. Ambassador of like, Kwan. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> Homer starts teaching them all these dance things and being obnoxious. But my favorite one was Tom Brady because he runs for a touchdown <laughs> and then he jumps on a Segway and he rides across the field with a banner that says everyone sucks but me. And they're all cheering and he's like, oh, yeah, give all your love to Tom. Give all your love to Tom. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that as well. To nobody's surprise. Homer gets called out on Jock Center, which is a parody of Sports Center, for his uh, showboating players. But they show highlights of the plays in the showboating anyway, which is kind of like the NFL actually using massive hits and non-catches to promote the sport when they're often called as fouls or, as I say, non-catches. Homer gets called into the NFL office and sort of looks a bit like Paul Tagliabue, who would have been the commissioner at the time, asks him to produce the Super Bowl halftime show. Now, the actual halftime show that year was Paul McCartney. who was also on the show at another time, I believe, as well. So. He guessed, yep. yeah, he guessed starred earlier with his wife. It's uh, Linda McCartney and Lisa the Vegetarian. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And so Homer, the night before, doesn't know what to do. He gets Ned to help and they do the story of Noah as uh, the halftime show. And they dump a whole bunch of water in there. But basically everyone just hates it and boos him. Right. <laughs> yeah. We end up in the Simpsons house and Marge is like, well, I liked it, homie. That's kind of the end of the episode. It's yeah. just, it just goes nowhere. It's like this, right. they've set something up, but they can't land it. Yeah. There was a news report talking about how awful it was. And then it did show a lady with her kids. And she was like, you try to raise your kids as secular humanists, but these showbiz types keep shoving religion down your throat. And then like the little kids like, mommy, can I get baptized? And she's like, you see what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite, quite good. <laughs> But you're right. It's a very hard stop. They do like a little joke with Tom Brady at the end with the credits, which was good. But yeah, it didn't really yep. wrap all that well. And I honestly, I didn't find the there was a lot of funny jokes as far as the dancing and the Ned Flanders movies. At least I thought so. Like some of those were funny. Um, not all of them, but some of them were funny. But I didn't really find the Super Bowl show, which is kind of the build up all that funny. It was just kind of like. You know, they filled the stadium with water and I was like, all right, I mean, I get that's I get you're not supposed to do that, but it just didn't really do much for me. And it was not like he had a great idea and then Marge convinced him not to do it, to do the religious one or something. It was just, yeah, it just it just didn't really do anything. It sort of lent on the cameos. I, I, I don't think this was particularly good at all. And in fact, I thought the 6.3 out of 10 it got on IMDb. Very generous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there were parts that made me laugh. You know, the Tom Brady thing, the first Ned Flanders stuff, all, all the stuff I kind of went through. But as a whole, yep. it was probably the weakest. Well, it was the weakest out of the ones that we've seen. 
Definitely. So where do you put that on the scale? Well, see, I still laughed. Um, I don't think I'm going to be as harsh on it as you, but I gave that a fifth. Yeah, I'm going to say this is a seventh. Okay. I think it's better than Undrafted. Like, Undrafted would be unwatchable. I don't think this is unwatchable, but I'm never going to watch this again. I think that's fair. I guess that brings us to our our final rating, like yes. the Simpsons, like Simpsons first, first rounder, right? Simpsons overall, yeah, has to be a first round. I mean, longest animated series. There are lines that we quote every day, even from our sub. Well, not every day, but we quote a lot, even from our subconscious. It's a cornerstone. Family Guy, South Park, they all they all came from the Godfather, the Simpsons. Yeah, easy first round. You know, there's other ones that we've maybe put in the first round. I personally put Friends and Family Guy, Jerry Maguire in there. Simpsons has easily earned a place with those, for sure. Yep, and for me, this is a- I've gone first round back-to-back weeks after putting nothing in. So, yeah, it is as culturally significant, I think, as William Shakespeare or maybe even the Bible. I think there's more people could quote lines from The Simpsons than lines from the Bible. That's possibly true. I mean, it's it's been around forever. I, they, I just don't think there's a person on the planet that hasn't seen it. You know, it, it just feels like one of those shows that every single person has seen at one point, um, whether they're a fan yep. or not. It's a big deal. And I was excited to do this one for sure, just because it was nice to be able to go back to the well and watch these shows. Like I said, haven't been watching them, but it, it was good to have an excuse to go back and watch some. 100%. I was going to say, I think if you measure something's success by when you hear or see something, that's immediately what you think of. And I think that's done, The Simpsons has done that for the names Homer and Bart. You cannot call a child Homer. You could probably get away with Bart. Maybe. And everyone's going to think of The Simpsons when they meet that kid. Exactly. I met a guy called Bart. You know what I said to him? Hello, Bart. (laughs) Exactly like that. And even Marge. You know, if you say Marge, I immediately think of Marge from The Simpsons. So Lisa obviously has a little more um, leeway. But Hmm. yeah, man, it's Simpsons culture. And yeah, for a show that's not been good for 20 something years, basically, to still be so so much part of the cultural zeitgeist, I think, is, uh, is incredible. So, yeah, I guess that brings us to the end of the show. Why don't you tell the good people where they can find you? So you can find me online. If you go to Twitter, I'm at Justin underscore B. If you want to see some design web work or need some design and web work, shoot on over to Justin B.com. Amazing. And as always, you can follow at 32 bit on Twitter to stay up to date with everything happening on the network. You can like us and follow us on Instagram at Screen Pass Podcast. You can get in touch with the show if you want to say hi, want to suggest something, want to tell us we're shit. That's screenulator at gmail.com. You can follow me at She and Solo on Twitter. And Justin, screen you later. Oh! Do, 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 do. Shh. <laughs> Perfect. Project Arcturus couldn't have succeeded without you. This will get you a little closer to that dream of yours. It's not the Dallas Cowboys, but it's a start. 
Drop me a line if you're on the East Coast. Hank Scorpio. Oh, the Denver Broncos! I think owning the Denver Broncos is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, explain to me why it isn't. <sighs> you just don't understand football, Marge. 